was with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to talk tonight about striving as the body of Christ. Striving together as the body of Christ. And that's what the local church is. It is the body of Christ. Uh, and we, uh, tonight, how wonderful to have uh, Adriana come and join with this local body of believers. and uh, How awesome that is. But we're going to see tonight some teaching to understand the local church, to understand the plan of God, to understand our purpose for striving together and fitting together and working together in unity in the local church. Look, if you will, here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 12 through verse 14, then we're going to skip down to one more verse. Chapter 12, verse 12 of 1 Corinthians. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now would you skip across to or down to verse 27, same passage, 1 Corinthians 12. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come to this thought, this teaching tonight, as we look at us striving together as the body of Christ, as we look at the local church, Lord, as we ought to be joined together in unity, serving together, Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I thank you for these dear folks gathered here this evening. Oh, what a privilege it is to come together with my church family. What an honor it is to serve together in this generation with these uh, believers that love you and want to honor you. And Lord, how privileged we are to be joined together for such a great work. Uh, Lord, as Nehemiah said, I'm doing a great work that I cannot come down. Lord, I believe that we have a great work to do. Lord, I believe that your work is the greatest work in all the world. And Lord, as we think about it, as we talk about it, as we study it tonight, God, would you encourage our hearts? God, would you stir us? Would you challenge us? Uh, would you fit us together uh, more perfectly? Lord, would you give us even more union? Lord, that we could strive and work together uh, to fulfill your purpose. Uh, Lord, we, we seek to honor and glorify you ultimately. Lord, help me tonight to preach you right your word. Lord, I pray you'd meet the need of every person here tonight. Lord, there are many people here, Lord, many people with many different needs. Lord, I don't know all the needs, but God, if I did, I couldn't meet them. But Lord, I'm sure thankful that you're able to meet every need on every heart. Lord, I pray you'd do that by your word, through your spirit this evening. Lord, we worship you, we praise you, and thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. For 33 and a half years, thereabouts, Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And he began a work in his body. Now, for 33 and a half years, Christ had the body of a man. He was the God-man. We cannot divorce the two. He was not 50% God and 50% man. Rather, he was 100% God and 100% man. He became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And in that body of flesh for 33 and a half years, Jesus began a work here on this earth. Now, today, he wants to continue that work through his body. Not his body that he spent 33 and a half years down here in, rather through his body now, the local church. And we're going to see some things tonight as we think about striving together as the body of Christ. Uh, Jesus, the Bible says, he answered and said he came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came and proclaimed a message of salvation, a message of hope. Today's lesson as we, as we try to tie it together for uh, for this month, we're going to be looking at the body of Christ. Now, that picture is all throughout the New Testament. That phraseology, that typology, all throughout the New Testament, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, as we see the local church. And I want to read uh, several verses here as we begin tonight. In Romans chapter 12, it says, For 
as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members of another. Ephesians 1.23, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Ephesians 4.12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Pretty plain there. Uh, it's not difficult to be understood what the body of Christ is. Today it is the church. Colossians 2.19, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Now, we've talked about in the last nine months previously, uh, we've talked about the body of Christ, talked about our unity together. Uh, we've talked about some other aspects of that as we've talked about this theme of striving together and working together and ministering together and laboring together. We, we've touched on it. But I want us to kind of zero in on that tonight, uh, that thought of uh, the body of Christ. The third verse, the great hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers, uh, very well describes our role as the body of Christ. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided as one body we one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. Now, the concept of the church as the body of Christ, very plain throughout Scripture, uh, we see it very plain here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, and we discover three keys in this chapter that we're going to look at tonight, and I'm going to give you some points by them, but we're basically going to be digging right here in this passage tonight for three keys to understand our role, your role, every person's role in the body of Christ as we seek to strive together. Number one, we see the ministry of the Spirit. The ministry of the Spirit. Verses 4 through verse 11, uh, we see there, if you'll look there with me, verses 4 through 11. Now these are the diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Notice the capital S, Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the, there it is again, capital S, Spirit, the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, but the same Spirit, to another faith, the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, but the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, verse 11, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, the Holy Spirit again there, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, Jesus described in John chapter 14, John 15, and John 16, before he would go to Calvary, before he would ascend to the Father, before all of that would happen, Jesus described to the disciples uh, that when he left, and we've been talking about this in our Wednesday night Bible studies as we're working our way through the book of Acts, that how when he left, he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And, and we've been seeing that time period and working through that. This last Wednesday, uh, we just looked at Peter's second recorded message as he preached to the crowd that gathered after the healing uh, there outside of uh, the beautiful gate. But Jesus said he would send the Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. Now, there's two specific benefits here that we see regarding the Spirit of God and the ministry of the Spirit, uh, and we see it towards the beginning here of the passage we just read, verses 4 through 7. Uh, letter A, if you're taking notes tonight, if you want to write it down, uh, we see that the Holy Spirit provides the miracle of unity. The Holy Spirit provides the miracle of unity. How, how could a, uh, a hillbilly from West Virginia and 
a Filipino, former Catholic. Imagine that. Man, a Catholic. And a former Hindu. And a former Muslim. How, 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 how can we be unified together? How, how could the four of us, not, not even thinking of everyone, just us four people that I'm pointing at here, how could we say we be brethren? Only by the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's only the Holy Spirit. And by the way, tonight we can all of us in this room, as believers in Jesus Christ, be united by the Spirit of God. It is only by the miracle of unity in Christ. And how wonderful that is. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And we solve that. A different administration, but the same Lord. The Bible speaks here of the unity brought about by the Holy Spirit, brought about by the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's a miracle that we can all function together and minister together in unity. All of us have different backgrounds. All of us come from different places. All of us have different upbringing. But how wonderful it is that God can bring us all into unity. It is by His Spirit. And by the way, every one of us are brought together for His purpose and brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit of God. And Dr. R.B. Willett, some of you know the name Brother Willett. He's a, a wonderful man, a wonderful preacher, wonderful author. Uh, I had the privilege many, many years ago, about 20 years ago, of being in Lake Crest Baptist Church in uh, Michigan, in Waterford, Michigan. And I had the privilege of preaching with Dr. Willett's father. I believe Brother Willett's father's in heaven now, but Brother Willett uh, Jr. Uh, was at the meeting. And Dr. Willett, wonderful, wonderful preacher. But Dr. Willett commented on the challenge of accomplishing unity in the church. Listen to his statement. He said, while there exists a variety within the local church, he explained, God does not expect unanimity. He expects unity. And there is a difference. In other words, not everyone is expected to think the same way everyone else thinks. Not everyone's uh, going to arrive at the same conclusion someone else comes to. But at the same time, we are in unity in Christ by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. You know, if, if I told uh, Tim tonight that I wanted him to play uh, clarinet uh, song and he was going to play in the key of B-flat. That's a B-flat clarinet, right? Is that right? He plays in B-flat. And I tell Hannah, I want you to play in the key of, I was going to say G, but that would kind of go with B-flat. I'll have you play in the key of C. Uh, and, and then we'll have the piano play in the key of E. And uh, we'll have all the instruments playing in different keys. Miss Lois, would that sound good? I don't know. I don't know about music. Miss Lois knows music. That, that wouldn't sound good. It would not fit. It would be disunity. It would be disharmony. And the Holy Spirit, if we remove the Holy Spirit, we would be just as disunified and just as out of sync. But praise the Lord for His Spirit, that He provides the miracle of unity. Not only the miracle of unity, but He provides the miracle of giftedness. Verse 11 through 8, I'm sorry, verse 8 through 11 we see the gifts given by the Holy Spirit, given to us. Now, we won't go into all of them tonight. Some of them uh, we see assigned gifts as we, as we work our way through the Bible. Uh, as we uh, see different things, we see the sign gifts. Number one, were for the Jews. Uh, number, and number two, the Bible says, when that which is perfect is done, that which is in part will be done away with. Uh, there are some things here we know that has passed away. However, we do see uh, some wonderful gifts here that God still has working today, uh, gifts by God's grace. I'm going to read to you Romans chapter uh, 12, verses 6 through 8. Romans 12, verse 6 says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait in our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. 
As I mentioned, some of those gifts like uh, healing and tongues and word of knowledge were temporary sign gifts. They passed away. However, God's Holy Spirit is not uh, made feeble. Uh, he, he does not remove and not give us gifts. Rather, God has given all of us and gifted all of us for the body of Christ in ministry. And uh, we see, number one, we see prophecy. Prophecy carries the idea of preaching and discernment, of proclaiming truth. Not new truth, not things that nobody knows, but proclaiming what God has already said. Ministry, the gift of ministry carries the idea of helping or serving. Teaching, the gift of teaching carries the idea of helping others understand truth. How many of you struggle with math? Math was a real struggle for you. I remember when I was in elementary school, uh, one of my teachers, he was the principal of the school, Mr. Jan Haddix, one of the greatest teachers I've ever had uh, of any subject, anywhere, anytime. Phenomenal teacher, wonderful man. Uh, it's a very talented man. Mr. Haddix had the a job of teaching in a very rural, and I mean very rural school. <laughs> We had a three-room schoolhouse in the 1980s, Miss Lois. Now, Miss Lois had a three-room schoolhouse in the 1920s. But uh, in the 1980s, where I was, some of you just caught that date. I'm in trouble. I had, in the 1980s, we had a three-room schoolhouse. We had grade one and two in one room, three and four in another, five and six in another. Uh, very small school, very rural, very, very rural. And it was a tough school. It was a tough place. A lot of kids struggled uh, academically. It was a very difficult place to, to teach, a very difficult place to lead. And one of the biggest struggles with mathematics. And I remember Mr. Haddix, he, and he didn't develop it, uh, I don't think. I'm sure he did not. But uh, he used the method. How many of you know what Chisholm-Bopp is? Anybody have ever heard of Chisholm-Bopp before? Probably not besides, no, I doubt it. Uh, but it was a, a way of teaching uh, addition and subtraction by using your fingers. And, and he used that as a visible representation uh, to teach some of the kids who just struggled. And I mean really struggled with math. And I remember when I went to grade 7 in junior high, uh, I remember some of the, the math teachers talking about how they hated Mr. Haddix. Uh, because all the students that came into their class, uh, they still were resting on that and using that. Uh, but can I tell you, he taught them something. Uh, he helped them and gave them a tool that they could use to learn. Uh, how wonderful for the gift of teaching. The gift of taking the Word of God and teaching someone else truth. Well, we need that. The gift of exhortation. Everybody in here, could, if I ask you, name someone who is an encouragement to you. Someone would come to mind. I think of a dear, a dear brother who's in heaven now, Brother Terry. How many of you remember Brother Terry? Brother Terry's been in heaven about two years now, I think, if my memory serves. Probably the most encouraging man I've ever met in my life. I don't know how many times I get a message throughout the week from Brother Terry just encouraging me. And praise God for that gift of encouragement for the Holy Spirit. The gift of giving carries the idea of generosity. The gift of ruling carries the idea of administration. The gift of mercy carries the idea of compassion. And the Holy Spirit is the one that provides not only the miracle of unity, but the Holy Spirit provides as well those gifts. He's the one that gives us uh, those gifts that we can serve together, uh, that mosaic of giftedness. And those gifts uh, come from the Holy Spirit. They're chosen uh, by God's will. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, But all these worketh, that one and the selfsame spirit, notice what it says, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, tonight after the service, we're going to have a potluck. Now, what that means is you're going to get a plate, you're going to go through the line, and you're going to choose what you want. You're going to pick it out, you're going to get what you want. Some of you are going to take something, someone else isn't going to take. Now, next Sunday, we don't have room to run people through a line to get Thanksgiving dinner for 250 people. Uh, next Sunday, you're going to sit down, and teenagers, you're going to work hard next week. And uh, Brother Maud's going to have a whip, and Mitra's going to have a whip, and uh, Miss Helen will probably be whipping you. We'll have lots of people whipping you. And uh, there are going to be plates made, and you're going to take the plates out, and, and you're not going to say, hey, would you like turkey, or would you? No, no. 
you're going to get whatever they give you. Uh, Brother Mike, you're getting whatever they give you. That's it. You're not going to choose. Tonight, you're going to choose. Tonight, you're going to, oh, I want this and I want this. When it comes to the gift of the Holy Spirit, I don't choose. I don't say, God, you know, I think I, I, think I want that gift. No, the Bible says it's the Holy Spirit that decides and gives us the gifts and callings of God uh, decided by God, not by man, decided by the Spirit, not by the church, decided by the Spirit, not by you, and not by me. Romans 9.20 says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? How many times do we do that, though? Hey, God, why'd you make me this way? God, I wish I was like Brother Colton. Why do I have to be like me? How come I can't be like Chummy? Well, I am kind of like Chummy. Uh, how, how come I can't be like Jeff? Why, why do I have to be like this? Thank you, Lord, I'm not like Brother Bonnie. Uh, but, Lord, how come I'm made this way? How often do we do that? God knows best. The Holy Spirit knows best. Number two. Number two. We see the metaphor of the body. Look, if you will, at verse 12. Verse 12 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of the body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So we have the metaphor, the picture, the body of Christ being the local church here. Uh, the word here presents several metaphors. Uh, we could look at Scripture tonight. We won't for sake of time. And we can look at Acts where it speaks as members of uh, the body of Christ, referred to as a flock, uh, referred to as sheep, uh, a dumb, stinky animal. Pretty appropriate for me, at least. Uh, we can see that in Luke chapter 12. We can see the church compared to a building. Uh, not, not speaking of a church building, but the members of the body of Christ compared to a building built together. We can see that in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we can see the church described as the house of God. In 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, we can see the church, the body of Christ, uh, called the, the bride uh, in Corinthians as well as Revelation. But the body of Christ, the body of Christ is the metaphor we see all throughout the New Testament. And that's the picture we want to talk tonight about, of the striving together as the body of of Christ. Uh, letter A, or the next note there if you want to take notes, uh, we are many and yet we're one body. We are many and yet we're one body. How many of you know you have several bones in your body? I got some naked pictures of my bones the other day. Brother Mike, I saw them. I uh, hope they didn't go out on the internet. And I, they took x-rays of me and I saw all my bones and I got some big bones, Brother Amon. And I looked and noticed one of my bones is not where my bone's supposed to be, but they have told me it's going to be there until I go to heaven, so I'm okay with it. But I've got a lot of bones that make up my body. You have a lot of bones that make up your body. I've got many muscles and many parts and many organs. However, just because I have a lot of bones doesn't mean that I've got a lot of bodies. I've got one. And by the way, if I gain a lot of weight, I still only got one body. It may be a big one. Uh, but I got one body. Uh, my wife's uh, body is a little shorter than mine, but we both have one body. Now, the Bible tells us here, and we're going to see this, we're many, yet we are one body. In verse 12, it says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, all the members of that, it gives again, one body. Me, many are one body, so also is Christ. For one spirit, we are all baptized into. And the Lord's really trying to hammer this home. This is not Pastor Rice. This is the scripture here. One body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. We have a second encouragement here towards oneness, towards soundness in the body. Now, if Josh is working tomorrow and he's sawing a board, building a house, and instead of sawing the board, he saws his hand off. Please don't do that. But if he does, 
and his hand plop to the ground. He's looking there at his stump and his hand. He's going to go, this is, this is bad. Rebecca's really going to hurt me when I get home when she finds out what I did. Uh, I shouldn't have done this. Uh, it's bad when a part of your body is separated from your body. How many of you know that? That's not good. You don't ever want a part of your body to not be connected to your body. That, that's a bad thing, especially your head. You always want to keep your head connected. But if a part of your body gets separated off your body, serious problem. You want it all to be one. Christian, can I tell you that God wants us to be one? Yet there's many of us. He wants us connected in one body. And how beautiful that picture we see of a local church striving together, not in opposition, not in competition, but rather working together, striving together in one body as many members working together going that same direction. See that second encouragement towards oneness. Uh, next, we're mistaken. We are mistaken when we compare within the body. Now, how stupid would it be for my finger to look at my big toe, and I won't take my big toe out tonight. That would disgust you. Uh, for my finger to say to my big toe, I'm better than you. I'm way better than you, big toe. I mean, I, I, I do the important stuff, like, you know, picking the nose and, uh, you know, combing my beautiful locks of hair, uh, all those important things. And I say, I'm, I'm more important than you, big toe. And big toe says, no, you're not. If I wasn't there, he'd fall over. And the finger would say, no, he falls over anyway, whether he has a big toe or not. But there'd be a stupid comparison the finger and the big toe had in a conversation. The reality is the finger does the job of the finger. The big toe does the job of the big toe. The finger can't do the job of the big toe. The big toe can't do the job of the finger, at least not well. Christian, when we compare ourselves and say, well, I'm better than him. I'm a better member than she is. I, I'm more important than that. You know what the most important member to Josh would be if he does that stupid accident tomorrow? The one that fell off. <laughs> that's the one that's going to hurt the most. You take and you hit your thumb with a hammer. Your whole body. It all feels for that one finger. Christian, can I tell you that we're mistaken? When we look at ourselves or we look at other people and try to compare ourselves. Because we're not the same. We're in the same body. We have the same purpose. We have the same unity in Christ. We have the same Holy Spirit. But we're all different. And that's okay. That's okay. That's the way God made us. And we see that we'd be mistaken to think otherwise. In verse 15, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, and therefore not of the body. If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, I'm not, uh, therefore not of the body. We see the, the ridiculousness of one part talking about another part, saying, hey, let's compare ourselves here. And how horrible it will be for us to do so as members of the body of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 says, for we dare not. We dare not. In other words, you better not do this. Better make sure we don't even think about it. We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Can I tell you tonight that not only are we mistaken when we compare ourselves among ourselves, but we are made purposely unique. We are made purposely unique for the body. How many of you are glad you have a thumb? Did you know that if you don't have a thumb, and there's, I know some folks that have lost a thumb or don't, were born without a thumb, if you don't have a thumb, a lot of things become much, 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 much harder. I mean, tremendously harder. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I'm glad I have a thumb for the Jeff to grab my portafilter, my espresso machine, and take it out. That'd be tough to do without a thumb. I couldn't run my grinder, Brother Ahmad. I mean, all the important things in life. Uh, I'd have a hard time starting my car. I'd have a, a hard time riding. With, I mean, all the things that the thumb does. 
But I'm glad all my fingers aren't thumbs. I'm glad I don't have five thumbs. I'm, I'm glad I've got, you know, a thumb on each hand and I've got some fingers. That'd be kind of ridiculous. I, it wouldn't work well. Now, I know that we're all made differently. But can I tell you, physically, as we think of the universal idea of our body and our body parts, and I know that, you know, there's variation and, you know, some of us are big and some of us are not so big. And, uh, but we all have the basic design, and they're made on purpose. Can I tell you that each one of us are made differently spiritually? Because we've got a separate place to play. We have a separate place that God wants to put us in the body. If we were all the same, that would make for a weird body. Imagine a body of nothing but thumbs. That looked like something out of a, a science fiction movie. How many of you remember Mystery Science Theater? Anybody, any weirdos like me ever watch that? Just me. Uh, it was a horrible TV show. Uh, there was a guy and some robots that would watch these old B-rated B uh, uh, alien sci-fi movies. They were horrible, but man, they were hilarious. They make, I think Brother Darren did some of the voice acting for the robots. But anyway, I... I would imagine seeing the thumb monster on that show. But rather, God made us all differently. God created us all separately so we would fit together. The truth found in verse 18 here. But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Christian, I want you to pause for a second. I want you to realize a couple of things. Number one, God's the one that places you where he wants you. We don't place ourselves. Number two, and I love this, when God places you in the body, he steps back and goes, that pleases me. Christian, just by being placed in the body of Christ, you're glorifying God. In creation, the Bible says every day of creation, God created this. The morning or evening were the first day, and God saw that he made, and it was good. Every day of creation, God said it was good. Amen. When God places you in the place he wants you, God says, that's good. That pleases me. Not, not me placing myself, but God placing me in the place he wants to use me. That unique place that God made just me for. Consider, consider these statements. I want to make a few statements very quickly. There is a job. There is a job for you to do in the body of Christ. Every person in this room. There is a job for you to do. You were specifically, and get this statement, you were specifically put here by God to do that job. I was specifically put here by God to do the job that God wants for me. And this is wonderful. No one, no one is as uniquely equipped to do the job that God wants you to do than you are. No one. I used to be pretty flexible when I was younger. I'm still pretty flexible. You know, I... I could bend over and pick something up. But if I, if I can't bend over, if I get in a bad back situation, now this wouldn't work probably, but uh, if I could take my shoes off, I'm pretty flexible. I could pick something up, and I could, I could bring it up, and I could pick it out. I could use my toes like fingers. But my toes are not as good of fingers as my fingers are fingers. Uh, my fingers do the better job of grabbing things. No one is going to be as effective doing the job God made you to do because God made you to do it. As we think about striving together in unity in the body of Christ, that means if I don't accomplish the job that God made me to do, if I don't fill the role that God has for me, the local church is not going to reach its potential. It's not going to be as effective as it could be and God will not be as pleased or as glorified as he could have been. The gifts and abilities that God has invested in my life, 
and in your life are stewardship to be used for his glory and for his honor and his pleasure and his purpose. You and I are made uniquely and purposely uniquely for the body of Christ. 1 Peter 4.10, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, a good steward of the manifold grace of God. Another thought before we hit the last point tonight. We are meant, we are meant for one another within the body. I'll give you this quick illustration. I'll read a verse for you first, verse 21. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. We need one another. Can I, can I tell you why my body has been in trauma now for five weeks? Because the AC joint that spent 48 years of life being connected, those two bones married together, they spent uh, from the womb, they've always been connected. And now for five weeks, they're not connected anymore. And I'm having to work to facilitate learning to live with them not connected. And it's difficult. And it's a struggle. Christian, when we're not connected the way God wants us to be, the body of Christ is not complete. And we're not going to work as effectively. We're, we're going to struggle. Imagine if you're missing some bones tonight. That wouldn't work so well. Missing some organs, missing some fingers. It's going to cause some problems. We were made for one another to be joined together in the body of Christ. Number three. The last thing I want you to see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we see this in the last half of the chapter, last third of the chapter. Verse 22 says, Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God had tempered the body together, having given a more abundant honor to that part which lacketh, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, government, diversity of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. We see the word there in verse 22. Nay, much more those members of the body. Now, there is a myth about the members. Number one there, we see in verses 22 through 24, God's ways are not our ways. Isaiah says, we tend, uh, in Isaiah 55, uh, verse 8 through 9, uh, that we tend to look at the outward appearance and to judge and uh, place our estimation. I remember the only time I ever remember losing an arm wrestling contest to anyone other than my father. I remember I went to arm wrestle a friend of mine who pastors in West Virginia now. He was a, uh, had come to college about a year after I came, and he's not a big guy. He's about Carl, about your size. And, you know, I'm kind of a, a big, fat guy. You know, Carl's a normal-sized human being. And I looked at this guy, and I thought, ah, he's just kind of a normal-sized guy. And uh, I, I can, no doubt I can beat him arm wrestling. I'd never, other than my dad, no one had ever beat me in arm wrestling. And I thought, I'll arm wrestle this guy. And I, I wasn't really paying attention because I thought I, I was pretty confident in my strength. Uh, and I thought, ah, no big deal. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I was almost down. I'd never been there before. And the guy beat me. I immediately said, let's go again. And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> He would never arm wrestle me again. 
I, I was not prepared for him being as strong as he was, and I really didn't go all the way, and he knew that I didn't go all the way. He never would arm wrestle me again. He told everybody, I beat Brian. I beat in arm wrestling. He did. He Fair, fair and square, he beat me. Uh, but I estimated, nah, that would be easy. He wasn't easy. I, I could have beaten him, but it would have taken everything I had. He was strong. Uh, he was very, very good at arm wrestling, but didn't look like it. You wouldn't have guessed that by looking at him. Can I tell you that when we look at others and try to guess and estimate, we're wrong. It's God that knows and God that has that place for all of us uh, to be connected together. Uh, God places great value on each member. God places great value. You know, I made a, I made a joke, a crude one, about Josh cutting his hand off. Now, if I asked Josh, Josh, if that has to happen, would you choose your right hand or left hand? He'd, he'd choose his left hand because he's right-handed. Not because he doesn't like his left hand, but he, he's used to doing stuff with his right hand. He knows if he has to lose a hand, it, it'd be easier for him to lose the left hand. Now, you and I, not only do we put emphasis on our body and things that we value more, but sometimes we wrongly look at others in the body of Christ and say, yeah, that person doesn't matter. <laughs> Man, if we lost, lost that part of the body, no great loss. Can I tell you there are no appendixes or appendices, as the word may be, uh, properly in the English language uh, in the local church. There are no extra parts. There are no useless parts. We see here that God speaks of all the members uh, everyone uh, realizing being available, being important to God. Not only is there a myth about members, but we see here in this passage, verse 25 and 26, there's to be a ministry among the members. Not only do we minister to Christ, but we should minister one to another. And how wonderful that is as we see here. It says that there should be no schism in the body. But the members, notice this, the members should have the same care for one another. Verse 26, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. For one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, the third time we see the importance here in this passage of unity. We see discord spoken about. We see schism uh, spoken about. And God speaks of that as the wrong thing to speak of the importance of our unity and ministering together. If we're going to stir, serve and strive together as the body of Christ, as members of one body, we need to be ministering one to another. You know, if I hit that thumb, ow, my whole body ministers to that pain. My whole body ministers to that hurt. To that weak one. That's why sometimes if you have an injury uh, on one side of your body, it won't be long until you have some pain on the other side of your body. Why? Because the other side is trying to counteract and trying to counterbalance to help that side that's injured. And bearing that load. And we see that not only that myth, but also we should have that ministry. Uh, number three, uh, there is, praise God for this, in verse 27, there is a master. There is a master above the members. Look at verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ is the master? No man is the master. It's Christ. No church. No leadership. No person. No group of people. Only Christ. He's the master. Uh, he, he's the master above the members. The body belongs to Christ. Uh, we are His body. We're members of His body. He is our master. You know, my, my foot doesn't say one day, you know what, I think I want to go that way. Oh, I decide if my foot's going to go that way. Now, sometimes, because I'm kind of broken, uh, I may struggle getting it there. But my brain will say, okay, foot, you go that way. 
and all the muscles and all the nerves tying together makes it go. It doesn't go by itself. How silly it would be if every part of our body just decided to do whatever it wanted. And I know there are uh, different diseases and problems in the body that can cause that to be a reality for some people and how difficult that is. But the natural working, the normal working of the body, it is the brain, it is the head that controls the body. And can I tell you, the normal working of the body of Christ is Christ as the master controlling me. Not me controlling him. Not me controlling other members. Not you controlling Christ or controlling other members, but rather Christ controlling all of us. As he's the master uh, above the members. The body belongs to Christ. Now here's where we tie it all together. If we're going to strive together in the, bo- in the body of Christ, if we're going to continue the work in his body that he started in his body 2,000 years ago, then we need to know our role in the body. We need to find it. We need to fill it. We need to be faithful in it. We need to be, Christian, content. Content in it. Satisfied. Fulfilled. In fulfilling the purpose that God made you and God made me. As we find that place, we strive together more effectively. We need to be contributing to the health of the body. We need to be contributing to everything going forward. One quick illustration, because I, I lived through a few weeks ago that I believe illustrates this very well. When I first went to the Settler Hospital, the day that I pretended that I was Evo Knievel's stepbrother, I went into the hospital, and I had just gotten out of John's car. John drove me there. Praise God for John. And John drove like a grandpa the whole way there. And I kept saying, oh, slow down. Every I'm holding the pillow drum slow. He got me there. I got out of the car. It hurt to get out of the car. I went inside the hospital, and I said to the lady there in Stetler Hospital, nobody was there. I don't think anybody even lives in Stetler. There's nobody, nobody was there. It wasn't like there was a triage full of people. Or, there was nobody there. And I said to the lady at intake and emergency, I said, when they were bringing me in, I said, ma'am, please do not ask me to sit down somewhere. I said, I'll stand here until you put me wherever you're going to put me. Don't ask me to sit down and get back up. I walked in the door. Brother Mon, she's here. Sit down here. <laughs> and hand on the Bible. If I'm lying, may God strike me dead. My family was there less than 30 seconds later. Okay, Mr. Rice, you can get up now and come here. Brother Mike, I wanted to punch that woman, but I was in too much pain. I guess Carrie is the only one here that was there in the waiting room. Lizzie and John are in the air right now on the way to Calgary, but they heard me screaming, and, and I mean screaming. I've been married to my wife for 172 years. You can, ask, you can ask her. She's never heard me scream like that in her whole life, ever. I've never been in that kind of pain, ever. You know why I was screaming in pain? Because for me to get up out of that chair, I had to engage the muscles surrounding my abdomen, those muscles that had just all been bruised. All the muscles between my ribs that were, if you could peel the skin back, you would have seen were black with blood blood coagulated in them from the bruising. I had to engage the muscles surrounding my shoulder that was freshly separated and ripped apart. And I screamed as I believe it took four people to get me out of that chair because I could not get up because those muscles that needed to help me get up, they wouldn't work. And they were in tremendous pain. 
Christian, when we realize when we as certain parts of the body aren't engaged, we're not striving together with the rest of the body, it puts the body in a trauma situation. It puts a body, the body of Christ in a situation where it's just barely surviving. It's not moving and working as effectively as it ought to. God wants us to strive together in the body. And we need to find that place where we fit. We need to be involved. By the way, if this is not the local church that God wants you to be a part of, you need to find it. I believe every person ought to be a member involved in a local body of believers. God made you for that purpose. You need to find that place. You need to be plugged in and serving and working for the cause of Christ. And how wonderful that we can strive together in the body of Christ as believers, individually, as individual members, all different, all unique, part of the same body. Let's pray together. Lord, help us tonight. Lord, to realize that every one of us matter to your purpose. Lord, I believe many times the body of Christ is very much like my body was at that hospital. We struggle. We have difficulty just doing the normal because we're missing some members. We're missing those, the input and the work and the labor of those that should be connected for your purpose and your glory. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that we have of being connected. I thank you for the privilege of serving together, of ministering together. I thank you for the opportunity we have as individuals, different, all made differently, all from different backgrounds, to be brought in unity by the Spirit to be made on purpose to fill the space that you have for all of us and to be connected, working together for your purpose. Lord, how wonderful that is. Lord, I pray we'd see it. Lord, I pray that every believer in this room, Lord, would have a great desire to be involved in filling the role that you have for them. Lord, I pray you'd help me Lord, to do a better job of filling the role you have for me in that small place in your body. Lord, I pray that I would be willing to be yielded to what you want. Lord, that I would stop trying to compare myself with others or comparing others. Lord, that I would simply glorify you. Lord, may we do that. Bless us now. Lord, be with us in this time of invitation. In your precious name we pray. Amen.